Welcome to Blake's Sakes for God's Sakes. It's a, oh my God, I'll be, I'll be 100% honest with you. It is a weekly podcast. And every Wednesday, all my life, I do this every Wednesday. I swear to God, swear to God, every single Wednesday, I take a current event from four separate subjects. Now, this is true. The subjects are politics, sports, relationships, and leisure. All right, are you with me so far? And uh, I give my Blake's take on, on one of those things. Now, this is the uh, Blake-toberfest is what we're in the middle of, as all of you know. Um, it's a summer concert series where I'm having a couple interviews. Last week, I interviewed someone who I do not know at all. Ah, oh, my voice is cracking still. That's good. That's good. If, if adult acne wasn't enough, let's, let's uh, keep... Uh, I'm glad Mother Nature keeps finding ways to turn me into a baby. Um, but this week, I have Todd Glass on, who is uh, a very good friend, uh, amazing comedian, and we talk about stand-up and how we see stand-up going in the in the COVID era. So how we've you know have how we've dealt with not having it, both you know emotionally and professionally, because you know it is our income, <laughs> and uh, it is something where I've been doing stand-up for over half my life, over fifteen years. And uh, Todd's been doing stand-up for 40 years, so well over half his life. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really, really cool conversation because I don't think there's someone on earth whose opinion I trust more on stand-up than Todd. So I do, uh, and by the way, for a more traditional episode, I, I want to, I am getting, uh, I've just put the ox ahead of the cart. Um, you know that old phrase? I want to welcome the Zeitgang, any daily Zeitgeist people who are listening. Whenever I do that podcast, which I appeared on last week, I always get a, a bit of a boost, a base boost, if you will, of uh, listeners. So if you're a fan of the Daily Zeitgeist podcast and you're coming over to this one, welcome. It's good to have you. Uh, the Zeitgang is what they call themselves. My fans call themselves the Yang Gang. So, and that is, those are the name of my fans and my fans only. So welcome. Um, I also want to thank, oh, and and just getting back. So if you want to hear a more traditional episode, I do talk about how I see stand-up going in the near future on the June 10th episode. So you can give that a listen, but I really don't, there's no overlap really between that and this because it's mostly me asking Todd's opinions. And then I do run those opinions by him as well and get uh, his, his take, his Todd's take for pod's sake on it. So uh, before we get started, I want to thank, oh, we got a patron. We got a fresh new patron, Bad Patoos. I don't know this person's name. If you are listening, I DM'd you. And uh, honestly, if I don't get a DM back soon, I'm going to uh, steal your identity. <laughs> your identity, which I don't know. So respond to that, please. And this is how I get my business done. I, Rather than address things privately, I uh, do it in a public forum, and it's caused many, many issues uh, across all of my relationships in life. So... Uh, thank you, Bad Patoos. Uh, special, and he joined. Oh, he joined the big tier. He joined the Blake Wexler catalog tier. So he gets my album signed, autographed with my Jonathan Hancockian. <laughs> and then uh, also he gets a special hello. So um, Bad Patoos, I just want to congratulate you on your, um, what are those things? Possum Farm. He's opened up a possum farm and somehow a possum farm 
uh, the pandemic has had no effect on it whatsoever. Those things are immune to any disease, any malady whatsoever. They're just bad news personified. However, during uh, one of his sleeps, he, he told me this, that, um, or I read about this in uh, the Vermont Times, where he heard this percussive sound from outside, and the possums had, um, with their uh, awful tails, created some sort of um, stomp performance. It's more of a creep or a, or a slither than stomp, but it is, it's not for everyone. I'm going to be honest, but there is a niche market for that. So congrats to Bad Petus on his possum uh, farm at possum. May the possum pastures be greener for you. <laughs> Let's get to the interview. Um, the first, the whole thing sounds great, by the way. The first half sounds more like an enhanced Zoom call, still sounds great. And then the final 17 minutes sounds like the highest level of podcast production as possible. And I do want to pat myself on the back. I'm working on it. All right. But it sounds great. You'll love it. And, uh, and I think that's more than enough for me. Join the Patreon if you want to. Donate to the Black Lives Matters charities in my episode notes. And uh, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd Glass. Blake Wexler. Blake Wexler. Blake Wexler. Blake Wexler. Uh, good morning, if it's morning. Uh, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> the worst host ever. Uh, so, Todd, I was I kind of shared my opinion on this briefly on a previous show, um, but I'll kind of weave my theory. I'll, I'll present my theories to you later, I guess, to get your opinions on them. And, oh, I got to go first. All right. Now, you got to promise. Yeah. Well, we'll talk back and on, forth. If we're, if we're on different pages, we got to well, just... Tell you. Yeah, well, I've been nervous in, like, conversations where, you know, you don't want to say it, even if it's just friends, you know, you're like, right. oh, I don't want to, but no, uh, no, this no, is no. the purpose of this. Yeah, and I'm, it's not, none of this is a trap either, you know, like, and, <laughs> and, and we'll go, we'll go back and forth, or, Todd, I have uh, the uh, Bud Friedman on the line, if you say anything bad about comedy clubs, you'll never get booked again. <laughs> you know, Paul, Paul Thompson, speaking of a trap, Paul Thompson, yeah once told me a story where he's driving to the car with somebody he goes let me ask you a question do you think uh the whole thing with jfk the hoax it was something like that yeah and paul gives his opinion he goes you're wrong like, wait did you just set me up for something you have already a lot of like you have some thoughts on or something yeah did you say jay leno was the person who did that no it was uh uh where did i paul get that but, yeah, Paula Tompkins. And the person I, who did it, I forget his name, but I see him in my head. Yeah, yeah. You know what happened? I heard the word car at some point, and I assumed it was Jay Leno. That's a problem that I have constantly yeah, well, whenever I hear cars. Sense. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, I guess what I want to start off with is that, um, and I kind of want to go chronologically, where, where we are, where we've been where we are and then like kind of where we think things are going to go uh with stand-up and and that is the theme of this is uh how, where we see stand-up comedy going like before a vaccine uh in the immediate year or so after a vaccine and then eventually things will return to normal but um i guess first how have you been kind of coping with it because it is obviously you know a source it's your income you know like it's our like job but you know, you've been doing stand-up since, like, way, way, way longer than you haven't yeah. 
you know so as far as like a lifestyle change you know how have you been dealing with with that like how do you do you miss it emotionally i would imagine as well yeah and you know what i'm only doing this because i should have had it before we even started is a, a piece of paper that way if we're talking or you're talking i think it's something i don't just i can stay engaged without repeating it in my head over and over again. of course of course and so todd by the way one- Todd has a, uh, it looks like a deer skin and he's writing on it with a, uh, a feather yeah. pen. <laughs> it's very fancy. His best parchment. Um, but yeah. Because I didn't want to, comedy will always, okay, care. Oh, there we go. It's all done. Um, you know, I, I've been doing this, you know, a long time, mm-hmm. you know, because I know you sort of know, but like even my close friends, I told Gary Goldman today this and, and I go I'm about 40 years I'm coming up to 40 year anniversary oh, wow. of comedy and um and uh so I've been doing it a long time and I don't think I've ever gone two weeks mm-hmm. uh since I started without performing right was that so, but, the heart how long after your heart attack did you perform just to kind of hey, put it in, hey sorry I mean you're uh-oh I'm like, oopsie doodle. You're a boy. By the way, you know the only reason I don't like, the, and by the way, I don't really mind, but right. the only glitch is when I start sarcastically go, hey, it's because uh, it's just uh, my vanity. Like, wait a second. You must be a little older if you had a heart attack. I was in my 40s. I was a matter of fact, the doctors told me I was the youngest guy ever to have a heart attack. <laughs> just the wrong thing to brag about. Yeah, Listen, right, yes. Exactly. I live my life so recklessly. There is no way someone my age should have had yeah. a heart attack. <laughs> so uh, I did it a week, uh, eight, a week after I had my heart attack. I did a, a talk. I did. A, I forget the name of the talk show, but I did a right. talk show. Amazing. And that was eight, eight days after. It's crazy. So this and has I been felt great. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Felt great. Yeah. I felt great. And uh, so. So that the emotions of it, yeah, like so that was only eight days, and this has been what almost five months, like four and four and a half months now. Five four and months, a half so. months. Yeah, the, the, definitely. And I'll get to the part that nothing, you know, just you miss it. But I'll just say what makes it, what buffered it. Uh, right. Having the podcast, definitely, mm-hmm. to be able to because you know you you um you, you still have thoughts and you still have you know you 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 that's where a lot of the bits start. Since I've had my podcast, they start on the podcast and right. then they go. And that helps a lot. And um, being able to do some Zoom shows definitely helps a lot. Uh, but the audience, obviously, you know, we're talking about when audiences are great, you know, even though we complain sometimes when they're not, overwhelmingly, audiences are unbelievable. Yeah. And that's why it's fun to do it in front of an audience. So that part, I mean, I, I have fantasies how the first time I'm going to enter, like, will I be at Helium in Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. And I walk out the door and I get in front of an audience what that's going to be like. I've thought the same thing. And in my mind, just knowing myself, it's like I I will want to cry. And my Me one. Me too. Yeah. Like, no, literally. I don't mean to get excited, but no. I left that part out because it sounded so weird. But I saw myself getting very, very emotional. Of course, especially if it's somewhere like Philly where 
you know, we both have so much history in that room, just even, even, not, not even just, just the city, city but helium, helium in particular, where it is like, just do just the <laughs> next, by the way, it's okay to cry. If you cry, you cry. But my I job from now until I perform is, Hey, uh, it's not the audience's first time doing comedy and they'll know, you know, if it's a good audience, they'll, they can comprehend how emotional that must be. But it's also like, let's, right. uh, let's try not to, if you do, it's okay, Blake, but if you, Let's try not to cry. Cry after. <laughs> <laughs> what if like, you picture just getting you well up a little because, you know, you're excited. Yeah. But in my scenario, in my head, I'm blubbering through my whole set. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, the microphone goes out because your tears just short circuit. <laughs> it's actually oh, the God. worst. It, you actually take five more months off of comedy. It goes so bad. <laughs> It's, yeah, I thought the same thing. And you do, like, with the Zoom shows and stuff, you know, I've heard comics talk shit on them, but and no one's saying they're the same thing. You know, no one's saying it's the same exact thing as being in front of an audience. And I still, I get excited for those where it is the best, you know, that we have right now, you know, or, or have had. And it is, there is still the internal clock in your head where when you're talking, it's like, okay, I know I need to say something funny here. You know what I mean? Like right, your right. heart rate does pick up and you still have that timing thing, which I think is still good to stay yeah. sharp that way. Um, and the Zoom, and you know, what you're saying about the Zoom shows, I, I think that's why I always preface because sometimes I don't preface because I don't think I need to. Todd's not right. prefacing. I don't preface and sure enough, and what you just said is what happens a lot. You know, someone go, how do the Zoom shows? You did a Zoom show Thursday night. And instead of putting out the obvious that it's not a regular audience, you know, yes. I'm taking that, I'll just start going, oh, it was really fun and blah, 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 blah. And then they'll go, oh, yeah, but it's, uh, it's you know, it's, it's without the, I go, I didn't say it was the same. It's like, <laughs> it's not going to be the same. I went into it knowing, but it's, it, the question is, did it relieve some of what you needed to relieve? And for me, the answer is definitely. Right, right. It was actually better. It was much better. You know what? That it was better without the audience. I've never been happier in my entire life. Um, no, I, I agree with you. It is a relief. It's relieving is a really, really great way to put it. Where it is, you know, some there is the joke or like you know a bad comic would be like, hey, you know, like a comedy is my therapy, and it's like, well, you should go to therapy because that's not what you should be doing up there. You know, it's not it's not the audience's job, but it is. Yeah, you can be funny and <laughs> you, you are. No, I mean, it could be uh, doing comedy could assist yes. uh, with it. It could assist with it. You know, yeah, be therapeutic, a... something that brings joy into your life, obviously. Exactly. Yeah, it could be a great byproduct of of doing it. And then I've been watching uh, to, and by the way, I do want to say uh, before we go on that I'm a huge fan. I was listening to that album that you posted, uh, 12 Years of Voicemails from Todd Glass to Blake Wexler, and oh, I'm a fan of it. It's great. I just want to let you know, I think it's great. Yeah, of oh, course. Thank you. Yes. You know, um, uh, real quick, because then I'll go down the territory. I talk a lot of, a lot about yeah. anyway, so I don't, I'm happy not to, but okay. the, the Zoom shows are like regular shows or whatever the platform is that's hosting a stand-up show. They're like the regular shows. Some people put them together good. Yeah. Some people don't put them together as always. I prefer full screen. I'm like, look, some people are watching on their phones. Just try to if, click, a, click a platform where you can use the whole screen. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I've definitely had fun doing them. I agree. I agree. And then I wanted to say uh, also is that I've really liked your shows or uh, what you've been doing with Scott too, where you said, uh, I don't know if you tweeted this or if you said it to me, but 
Um, it is, it almost feels like you're doing stand-up, but the, because the way you were delivering, I think it was the, the rub one out bit that you were doing right. through your window, but the, it, first of all, what you're saying is very funny. And if you haven't watched it, it's on Todd's Instagram and Scott's done it with a few other people too, or is it just you? Well, first of all, this could be a great opportunity to lay it in and post. What you do is on your own dime. So yes, Scott... <laughs> Are we on the other side of that now? I don't know what you did. Uh, yes, Scott uh, came by and he wanted to do something like, you know, that was very, very safe. And uh, he did it with me. He did it with a few other comedians and he's starting to drop them slowly. Right. And uh, he, for the people, well, they, they he came and I decided to do mine opening. I have a little bathroom window. It's about one foot by one foot in squared and then i opened it up he was he dropped off a disinfected microphone i mean he we really and he was you know he was always at least 20 feet from me because he was right. just in my yard somebody else did it on their step you know on their uh, on their step of their house and he just stayed in the street and did it uh and the one other comedian did it in uh in the car like one person's in the car the other, meet in a real comfortable place mm -hmm. and you know what they said it was actually really comfortable like just i was sitting in my car that's where i could feel safe doing it i didn't want to let anybody in my house I, my window was 10 stories up so they did it in their car and uh and they said it was, they still had their notes taped to yeah them. you know they still had their notes they had some stuff they wanted to do you know so, it is um, it is funny to to have a set list in your home you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, obviously, usually you write them at the club, at the, you know, like at the, in the green room before, but yeah. to have it where that never go, you know what I mean? Like that part of my life, stand up part of my life never enters like my couch. You know, it, it goes nowhere near my couch. Stand right, up. Right, and now yeah. that's the only place that I do it. Now, um, um, it's funny you say that because uh, when I did the one from my bathroom window, mm -hmm. just like this, I made some notes and then right. they were, I taped them up next to the window. I go, when have my stage notes been taped to the window of my bathroom? <laughs> Your you know? bathroom. There would be no reason to. Um, so that's uh, just to kind of transition here where that's kind of what we've been dealing with. And, you know, it's there was no option. There has been no option to do stand up. But now there are clubs that have opened and um, two mixed results where I've talked to some stand-ups about it and I, I'd love, you know, I can tell you what I've heard and, you know, have you, do you know anyone who's performed since in the past like couple weeks uh, since things reopened and like, what have you heard? Yeah, this a good question. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and you that know, will be the Mark last Norman, one. I uh, saw tweeted the other day. He goes, I shouldn't admit how proud I get when someone says good question. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I might've gotten it that wrong. But anyway. Um, <laughs> he has a great you know, comedy voice. You know, like just his voice, like not not what he's saying or his point of view. The actual aesthetic of Mark Norman's voice is very, yeah. very funny. Yeah, like, is it, ah, it, you know, it, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> uh, definitely a unique cadence. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I always try to be very, be very clean with the way I talk. About 25% of the time I pull it off. <laughs> but you just start realizing when you say things that people react Mm -hmm. you, you you hear it in hindsight and a week later and even you're like oh i should have pointed that out so with that in mind my reaction is it might be different because of where where someone's at do you have a family do you have any right, right do you is it was it your only outlet and you deal with you know it, there's a there's a lot of reasons uh, that some people would jump back into the game now look if you got a lot of money in the bank and you're and, and we might know some people like that and they decide to do it that perplexes me. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so that does perplex me. Um, uh, so, but for some other people that aren't doing it yet, but might do it, I make no judgment uh, because, you know, it, it's for different severities, you got to jump back on the stage. So, yeah. Please, and, and this and, is just what for you, like, I mean, for and, me, and, yeah. Yeah, that's a great setup too, because that's right. how I'm going to speak to is what's right for me. Right and, for me. And, hey, I'll, yeah. I'll admit where I would make some judgment. I'm not, I'm not saying, <laughs> of course. I mean, not even judgment. If somebody, if it's, let's say it's six weeks from now and, you know, you, you just got to pay some bills. You know, I'm going to be safe. I'm not handshaking the audience. I'm going to go to the green room. I'm going to, you know, uh, even that I, I'm going to, I have to wait a little. I just would rather some, I'm just nervous to be honest. And, and I'm not nervous in a, in a, in an overreactive way. I think right. things are going to get back to normal, but I just would rather wait a little longer. I'd rather wait and do stand up till I die and then wait an extra seven, eight months to do it. Yeah, yeah, very well put. Yeah, because there know? is, from what I've heard, and actually just to touch on what you just said, it is just By the to, way, yeah. I guess everybody that would do stand-up till they die. <laughs> but I'm hoping not, it's not later. I don't die tomorrow. But go ahead, I'm sorry. A couple, give it a couple years <laughs> Yeah. before that death comes. Um, yeah, no, I, I feel the same way, and I think you put it really, really well, where to judge the mere act of doing stand-up right now, I'm not going to do. Now, if I, where I would judge is if you're doing it in a reckless, irresponsible way. But, you know, for, for me right now, I'm lucky enough to have other income streams where I'm not worried about making rent. You know what I mean? But there are people where I was talking to my friend, um, Mike Cronin today, who's a very funny comic, who I think has met you maybe once or twice as well, but yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he's, he's great. great. And he hasn't, you know, he does the road, like that is his sole source of income. Mm -hmm. and, and also not even adding the emotional part of it where he loves stand up so much and he's, he's so, so funny, funny, but he, he needs, needs it, it to, to make ends meet. meet. And, and now that, that things are opening, he doesn't have the luxury really to, you know, make the choice to be like, oh, I'll wait, he has to earn right. that money. So um he can only go do like and then i'm sure you know you know they're gonna there's gonna be comedians that do it and they do it mm -hmm. very safe and they don't meet the audience you know we heard you know there was a few comedians a few weeks ago and it doesn't even matter why but their names but uh yeah. they went out and they, they themselves were saying this that they were doing fist bumping and shaking everybody in the head it's the not marx like brothers turn it was the one. marx brothers the marx it brothers, the marx brothers. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like if you return to it, you have to do it haphazardly. Some people, I'm sure, will, but other people will return and do it uh, very, very, very safely, as safely as they can. Right, right, of yeah. course, of course. And now I'm, I'm getting insecure with Mike. There are a million comedians like Mike who have not been able to uh, do stand-up for five months and have to do gigs again. I'm not going to say how much Mike uh, makes a year before taxes. <laughs> That's not <laughs> what I was meant to say. Um, but yeah, there's a million people like him. And so I'm so basically what I've heard from some of my friends, and this is separate from Mike now, I know a couple people who've done stand-up, is that there are some clubs that do it right, you know, like kind of like you said, where and it's I, I, I have the uh, impression that it's the ones that you think would do it right, where actually going back to Mike, he was just at Acme Comedy Club in uh, Minneapolis. And apparently what they've done, I think that room sits almost 300, like 275, mm -hmm. and they've made capacity 70 people. So less than half, like almost, what is that, like seven times three, almost like, yeah, yeah, that's uh, not too many, almost a third 
So um, I just started panicking, by the way. I had such a great point, and then the math of it came in, and I, I started <laughs> biting my tongue. Um, but so he said that basically everyone was uh, spaced out. They removed tables, and, you know, it was maybe 60 people at most in there, and it felt safe. I've also heard other comedy clubs where they don't make anyone wear masks. They say they're going to make it distant, uh, and they don't. Like, everyone's pretty much packed in there. So... I think, and you and I kind of talked about this on the phone the other day, um, and I want to transition into this, is that what, um, I don't want to say like, I guess what reassurances and probably contractually, you know, written down would you need if there was a place where you, like, what do you need to feel safe to do a oh, that's again? A good, yeah, before you know, a funny. vaccine. I, I love this conversation because I talk about this teeny bit here teeny bit there right but never really went step by step well, what will be the process back and uh although i think about it a lot but chopped up not condensed like we're doing it right now and great um i would have to do it with look you know i mean you could edit this out if you don't want but having julia uh you know who, who uh has been uh, chosen to write about this so yeah it's blake's blake's girlfriend so every week she talks to doctors and she talks to scientists and she talks to and um and i like to i've, I've been utilizing it since i found that out it's nice to get clean answers and mm -hmm. i've told i've told like 20 people this what i notice when i speak to anyone who's knowledgeable and this will swing around and answer your question when i speak to anybody that's knowledgeable um they don't panic there's a lot of realistic hope there's not they're not destitute and um it's calm and it's consistent. And mm -hmm. although it's fun to go, oh, you talk to one person, you get one thing, you talk to, that's what people do when they want to make fun of exercising. They want to go, oh, every week it's a different thing. You know what? There's some fads that come in and out, but there's some right. solids that have been around for a hundred years. So right. the same thing with this. Every time I talk to <laughs> Julia, everything fits together. Everything makes sense. Everything is calm and delivered and makes you feel sometimes you got to up your game sometimes you can down your game a little mm -hmm. it's not always i go oh that's good 13 feet is you think enough around the fire pitch oh 10 is probably fine you know so anyway with information like that and a comedy club that i trust like acme would certainly be one of them right. philadelphia you know any helium philadelphia helium especially yeah and i would just have to have an incredible amount of order I would probably, depends what phase it is. If it's still like, no, we're under, you know, they're only allowed 60 back in or 70 or whatever the case is. Um, I would probably just come in the back door and go right, right. to the green room, uh, right to the green room. And I would trust that they would scrub it the fuck down, let nobody in it for a week, not even to clean the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. And because um, that's every night. I can come in and out of the green room. I go there. That's my space. So I would, with information from someone that I trust and then a comedy club that I trust, um, I, I mean, because let me tell you something, 60 people in a room, if it's, it, it'll be fucking amazing. Yes, yes, yeah. It's, it's much more than one in the other room, which is what we've been performing with for the past, for right, the past right, four right. months. And there's a reason. It's not like if you had a club that held 300 and they dispersed 70 in little pockets of two and six and three. No, that would be... Um, that would not be, but comparative to this, and the, and there'll be an appreciation from us to the yes. audience, and there will be also a different appreciation from the audience to us, both people that might have taken it for granted. For sure, and I, it is <laughs> the the trust for uh, phrase that you used is great 
because, you know, we are getting on a plane, you know, and by my, we are getting on a plane and traveling to most of these places. So it's not just exposing to yourself to possible, you know, to the virus, possibly just for the hour and a half that the show is going, you're getting in an Uber to the airport or you're having a friend drive you, who, you know what I mean? So that's the yeah. first thing you're in the airport. That's another exposure. You're on the plane. That's more exposure. You're in the Uber from the plane to the, you know what I mean? Like you're in the hotel. All these are different points where you could get it. So you want to, at the very least, know when you wind up there that you don't have to worry about. Yeah. You know, like the, I, the comedy club is going to be responsible. And in my realistic fantasy, it's, uh, it's, it's probably after talking to my manager and, you know, it's what he's, you know, because he has to book people. He, he says, uh, I'm probably for me, maybe March or April. That's my, yeah. Hope. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be great. Which would yeah. be really great. I'm I'm laughing by what you said something very funny on the phone the other day where, uh, like Todd said, my girlfriend Julia has been covering the coronavirus for various publications. She's a she's a writer, and um, Todd has you know again they're they're good friends, and Todd's been calling her every once in a while to get advice on the coronavirus. And he goes, I goes, does uh does your girlfriend write about plumbing ever? Where yeah. we're just trying to find other free ways to get advice. Like, does your girlfriend ever cover a free landscaping yeah. as well? Does she write many books? Let me know if she's right, if she's if she's put on any stories that involve me getting free information. <laughs> right. And anything under that umbrella, I would really appreciate. So I wanted to uh, run by, and by the way, Todd, if I ever looked in, I'm just checking my levels on my, uh, and I've always wanted to say that. I always wanted to say, I'm looking at my levels. Um, and I'm turning my fan on and, and lower and higher. I love it. Good. Um, so here is my, uh, I, I wanted to run a few things by you for, these are kind of my thoughts, I guess, like on how I see things going that are more, oh, good. I guess, I love this part. yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, I, I think it'll be fun. So I have this theory. Some of them are very specific. Some are positive. Some are negative. The first one I think is interesting where I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Cause, um, you know, I would just love to hear your thoughts. I would like to, you know, learn or like have information from you too. So I have this theory basically that people who are features, I think, and this is not across the board, but I think this might happen where the there's going to be a log jam of comedians wanting to get back on stage. And I have this theory, just thoughts. I haven't seen it yet, but um, theater acts, for instance, there's only so many theaters and so many theaters that could house that many people right away. You know what I mean? Like, so I have a feeling that theater acts might be more prone to take the headlining spots in certain comedy clubs, you know, like moving down from, because you can't have 6,000 people in a theater. Right Did we not talk about this? I don't think so, no. Oh, because I'm, it's hard just to even not interject because I've had the same exact theory. Uh, oh, that, interesting. Yeah, at a certain level. In other words, you can't go back to a theater. If you're like, let's say Jim Gaffigan and you're working at 3,000 seat theater, right. they can't open that up for one third of the audience. It's just, it, it doesn't make it, sense. It would be weird. But at a yeah. comedy club, especially where you can get it super dark, because, you know, I've always said clubs need to be dark, but now it's make it or break it. Yes. Because there's only way you can erase those dead areas. There's one way and we both fucking know what it is. And the question is, I hope that the clubs know. Now it's past the point of aesthetics. I'm talking about it'll work or it won't work. Mm -hmm. You, anybody should look at the room and go, is there a way we can erase the empty spaces? Because if there is, we have to do it. 
If that means taping flashlights to the floor, because now's not the time to spend money on rope lighting. I get it. Giving every right. wait stamp, but in a dark room that holds 300 with two people hungry to do comedy, and it's only got 70 in it, if they erase the dead areas, it could be magical. Yeah. And I think theater acts will do that. And then I thought, so they'll come in because in a comedy club, they can open it. Let's say the club, they hold 75 in there. It'll pace the audience at home. And then if they want, they could put a cap on pay-per-view. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And then I, they could put the cap at 700 if they want, even though if they, they could sell a lot more or they could say, no, I don't want to do that. I just need to get back up on stage. I need to get, I'm doing it for this. So that way, you know, they could get, and still, it's like if, if Jim Gaffigan or let's say Sarah Silverman or a comedian you like, John Mulaney, mm -hmm. he's actually in your city. There's something like, you know, you might, like, I, even if I saw his Netflix special, I would want to see him. That's the closest I'm going to get to see him. Well, there's the club we go to, and we couldn't get tickets, but we didn't want to go. But he's, he's at our club, and we're in our living room. There's something cool about that. I agree. I, I see it uh, in a similar way where if I'm watching the Philadelphia Eagles play on TV, it's real. It's cooler to see them play in Philadelphia, even though I'm not there. You know, like I'd rather right. watch that team. It, it's more personal if it's in a place where you've been, yeah. like you just said. And my one, my one, I uh, not worry, but I, I think a side effect of that might be, and I, it wouldn't affect, I think, you know, or I, it wouldn't affect someone like you with you know, like a Gaffigan or a Sarah, you know, coming into a comedy club and taking up one of those weekends. But I do think that some of the people who just started headlining weekends, you know, where this was the first year where they just started moving in there. And I don't think it's in the tens of thousands of the people that this would happen to. But I think there are, there's kind of a domino effect there where the more I'll call them, you know, like theater acts or arena acts or whatever, who move down, I think sometimes that pushes people further down where maybe yeah. you'll have one of these newer headliners they're like okay well i guess this year i'm just gonna have to feature until the logjam leaves and then well, the features get pushed down who might host and then hosts where but um i don't think that's across the board but i do see situations and there, there will be less comedians on shows as well and i'm not saying any of this is stupid or, or wrong or insane i just think that this is what's going to happen so if you have a two-person act show instead of a three-person act that's obviously less comedians that can perform right. that night as well. Do you see that happening too? Or like, do you think I'm over-exaggerating it or? Well, I mean, obviously we're, we're, we, you know, we, we like doing stand-up, but we also like talking about it. It's fun to, I, I think for maybe even some legitimate reasons to try to predict the future. We, it's, it's near and dear to us. So right. I do the same thing you do. And in my sort of like, you know, I'm just seeing this, I, I hope, I also like to believe it doesn't have to be uh, one extreme or the other and that the other extreme, mm -hmm. the other side of it might be. And I hope, you know, how like we know a lot of comedians that they're like really, really funny comedians, but there's certain great clubs because they might not have credits because they're just on the road all the time. And they're, and they're great comedians, comedians that forget about comedians that go on the road and do the same act for a hundred years. There's <laughs> right. comedians I know that on the road, uh, that are always writing and always clever. They just don't have the TV credits to get into some of these clubs. I'm hoping, because a lot of those guys are people I'm really close with, that the other thing happens that they're going to be the ones that will show up, some, some of these guys, yeah. and fucking destroy. And you might think, yeah, but then afterwards it goes back. Let me tell you something. There's good clubs that have a heart. 
not every one mm -hmm. of them. You, right. I like to see that some of those guys swing through these clubs they couldn't get through. They destroy all week, and then it opens up some doors for some of those comedians as well. And that might just be a pipe dream, but um, no, blah, I think that's blah, true. Blah, blah. <laughs> you close very well there. I think no, no I, I think that uh, I think that makes sense too. Where because there's going to be audiences, in my opinion, where more than ever people are going to be you know as much as we're dying to perform stand up people are going to uh, dying may not be the best choice of words <laughs> but the way that uh we really have you know um been needing to do stand up people miss going to live events as well and like i was thinking the other you know the greek theater in uh in la you know my girlfriend and i we love going there we're like god i actually miss going to concerts and i've never been a big music person or anything but it was a fun thing to do but stand up, just you know, the cost of a ticket is more accessible, I think, than you know, uh, you're not going to be able to probably get tickets to see, you know, uh, Jack White or something right away, you know. But there is a better chance that you'll be able to see stand up, and I think there will be crowds anyway where these these clubs, you know, it's not going to be filled to capacity, but people, you know, they're going to sell out the tickets that they have available. I feel like so. When you have a, f that's the time to take a chance on someone who you think is really funny, but never mm -hmm. got the opportunity to, you know, have, who, who doesn't have the yeah. credits, et cetera, et cetera, because you know these people are going to come back because they saw a great show, and yeah. you don't have the risk of not selling tickets because you can only sell so many. So yeah, I and think I, that's a really I, good point. And I hope the other plus is, you know, being positive. Look, yeah. it, two different things are going to unfold in front of two different mindsets of people, basically. And this is just the way I see it unfold. And because I want this to happen, it'll probably happen because I'm not looking for 100% of what I'm saying to happen. I'm just looking for some good to come out of a bad situation. So, yeah, I, I think one of the other things that I hope as far as people, you know, uh, you know, appreciating it even more after it's over is comedy can be relatively reasonably priced. So, you know, right. with everybody, you know, financially being really careful, it can be an expensive night, but it doesn't have to be. You can still go relative to what other tickets cost and how much fun you end up having. Having, um, it's, it's relatively cheap and affordable. So I hope that that's the, when comedy clubs open up all over the place, people are trying to maybe be careful with their money. They're like, hey, well, that's, that's actually a cheap night compared to other things you do. You know? And I you know agree. what? Not other things like going to the Olive Garden. I mean other shows. Like when you <laughs> go to a concert and it's 3,000 people, even if it's a music venue, you go to a good comedian that, that fucking takes his job seriously and he does an hour of stand-up and he knows what he's doing. It's, it's fun. Right. Well, Todd, Todd in, in defense of the, of the Olive Garden, I was at an Olive Garden once. And um, I saw a woman screaming at her husband for eating all the breadsticks for 45 minutes. And that uh, there were a few performances better than that. That was pretty, <laughs> was pretty. Also, by the way, I don't know if you saw it during that bit. When I said that I was at the Olive Garden, I almost stopped doing it because I didn't even want that to be a part of the bit. Yeah. <laughs> I go there. Um, well, I yeah. didn't want to make it sound like I was comparing it to any other average night. Because, yeah, course. no, you could probably go to a cheap restaurant and cheaper but if you're comparing it to a night of being really entertained it's very very it's it's on the low scale right you, know? you wanted to do a, a com like a comparable a comparable thing um which i think is great and i also another positive um before we kind of move into the final thing which is what we think like the future of it i guess will look like um 
I well actually no because this is kind of the future I think one cool thing that will start during the pandemic and hopefully continue if it ends up happening is that a lot of really cool like alternative venues might start opening where you know there's going to be where a lot of comedy clubs I know in LA in particular you know they can't open yet so I do think there'll be cool whether it's a backyard show or you know like someone just buys a lot you know, like a little piece of land, they set up a cool, you know, like it just even, it doesn't even have to be cool. Or they build a small wooden stage and they put these little, you know, folding chairs and put them 10, 15 feet away. And, you know, you can have the sun setting in the background, you know, like right before the show starts. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, those are things where, which just would be cool anyway. But I do think that now that there's a necessity where people want to be outdoors more, or maybe you have a venue that, you find a warehouse where you can space it, you know, well and actually have good lighting and kind of make yeah, it a yeah. cool experience too. I'm really excited to see things like that start happening. And, you know, they probably already have where like, God, when we did that show in Sonoma, like it was probably six, seven years ago where we were in the cider place. And it's one of my favorite shows we ever did where the walls, they built up the, ke you know, the kegs and the cans. And it was one of my favorite shows we've ever done. And in terms of equipment that they had, it was just whatever was in there, you know, plus they built well, a stage. Yeah. Yeah. For the, for, the, for the people listening, which is everybody, it, I mean, in, in, in 30 seconds, mm -hmm. it was this sort of warehouse. I thought they sold cider and wine. And to make the stage, they put uh, like 100 or like 200 boxes that were really beautiful boxes with their right. logo on it stacked. And that looked actually beautiful. And then they decided to let all the local artists just come in on one wall and hang their art. It was brilliant. Then they let a food truck come in. They pulled it into this yeah. thing, shut the door behind it. And they had Christmas lights around it. So, and then afterwards, there was like a 20-piece uh, New, New Orleans jazz yeah. thing. And you're right. Like, things like that. I, I we, we're, we're talking about a lot of the same things because mm -hmm. I hope that happens, too. Like, there's, you know, uh, people take advantage of the, you know, hey, now's a good time. They want it. Like you said, they, it has to be in a different atmosphere. And and uh, and even if things return to normal, um, so what those, 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 those sort of shows can still continue, but, of but course. maybe that's how they'll get attention uh, to them in the beginning. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to become less cool just because other stuff opens if they're done right. And I think that's a thing in general where, you know, hopefully this makes, you know, we, we keep saying comedy clubs, but that could be, you know, little, little theaters or whatever the artistic spaces, like this is the time to kind of raise your game and make sure yeah. you're doing things right. Because, you know, it is it is really hard for them, you know, because I'm of thinking of like, you know, like the one night sort of like, you know, the bar shows like yeah. Largo or, you know, the uh, Meltdown or the mm -hmm. M bar back in the day or the UCB, like those type of creative, the backyard show, the living room show, yeah. like good heroin shows like that, that, you know, yeah. is what I'm, I'm yeah. exactly. So I guess like so that'll uh, take us into the last part. So. In terms of the next, uh, I guess, year or two, so post-pandemic, so there's a vaccine out, we're finally getting back into the venues and stuff. How do you think, you know, how will stand-up look different? Like, what are some of, I guess, like, not the symptoms, but the residual effects, I guess, when, when everyone's finally allowed back in? Um, obviously, again, like, this is, you know, I was talking about this with, uh, with another comedian today, yeah. and I, I think... I mean, look, I, I could sound like a little bit of a, a broken record because I'm, 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 
at least I think my friends know I'm going to go in the positive direction. Yeah, great. Because it's not that I don't think that that, that, that there will be the bad that comes out of it. Obviously, it's right now, you know, not only emotionally because it's fun, but like financially, it's, it's really scary yeah. for a lot of people. Hey, and by the way, I just have a little bit saved where I can relax. Hey, come seven, eight months from now, I'll start to go, okay, uh, <laughs> let me at the stage you know even if it's not i'll perform in a phone safe. booth with six other people in there yeah. <laughs> i don't give a shit <laughs> but i think that um the good that can come out of it is you know when i do my podcast and this is not in place of performing in front of great audiences that's mm -hmm. not the point there's the plus of audiences and it is it is gigantic but i guess i'm going to say a little thing that sometimes can get in the way of good comedy and that might sharpen our, 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 our astuteness to maybe plow past it next time. And here's right. what it is, is that, look, on the podcast, we all trust our instincts. In the beginning, you stop here, like, oh, is this, you don't, you don't have an audience. It's not like we stop every minute when doing a podcast. Not even this, where it's more of a serious conversation about comedy, but when we're doing bits in the podcast, mm -hmm. we never stop and go, Blake, how do we know if this is funny or not? We're not in front of an audience. Do we just stop? And right. then 10 minutes later, Blake, is what we're doing funny? We have no idea. <laughs> of course we don't. Because we know it's funny. Yes. And it doesn't mean that to take away from the joy of performing in front of a crowd. But the bad part, when you're in front of an audience that maybe doesn't like your thing, you can't just trust your instincts because there's mm -hmm. an audience in front of you. So, And it is your job to, to, to try to do a good show. If the audience isn't buying you right away, you can re-grip yourself. But sometimes the... the, the they can get in the way of uh, of a good joke or a good, uh, and it's your job to ignore the audience and trust your instincts. So mm -hmm. here's where I'll wrap it up. Um, ignore, I'm not saying ignore the audience as far as doing a good show, showing up on time, doing a good job, giving 100%, but it's not your job as a good comedian to, if they don't like your jokes, to do uh, Oh, I'll change my style, you know? Right. Uh, you, you do it in the beginning of your career because you get nervous, you're not doing good, you just grab what works, you know? That's so it's, it's so um, we have, oh, sorry, I've been just yeah. writing a lot of jokes. I've been writing a lot of jokes, actually. You know, for me, writing a joke is like, you know, a sentence and a half, two sentences, the concept of it. And right. I have been writing a lot and I do it on Zoom shows and sometimes I'll do it on my podcast. And so the other day I thought, it's not that I would name it this, but you'll get that this wraps it up. I said, what if I called my next special trusting my instincts? Because yeah. I was telling, you know, oh, I'm writing jokes. I'm writing a lot of jokes. But the truth is, I'll do them on a Zoom show. I'll see a lot of hearts. The person in the room with me gets a genuine laugh. And I go, oh, great. That worked. It worked. It, it, yeah. But come an audience when I start doing all these new bits, things that I think are funny. So I think it can teach us, you know, to the better part of a podcast. What's good about a podcast is yeah. you trust your instincts. Sometimes it doesn't hit with people at home. Sometimes it's so funny, you don't know how hard they're laughing. You continue the conversation, and then they're going, wait, they're give pausing. me a second. Yeah, like when I used to listen to. Yeah, because you're, they, you, so, so at the end of the day, if you want to make this positive, I think it's to, to, to not ignore an audience, of course, but to trust your instincts. Because I'm writing these bits down because I think they're really funny, you know. And um, so hopefully I'll return because, and this is the last thing I'll say, because I know I'm going great. long, but I think about this all the time. Yeah. I think comedy will always take care of comedy and make it better. If like comedy was a person, it goes, I will always take care of comedy. And to this day has proven itself. 
because even though in the midst of what goes on, whenever there's a, you know, oh, oh is comedy getting better? Is it getting worse? Is it, you know, for the last hundred years, they always think the next, oh, they're soft. And But if you look at the progression of comedy and get out of your own way, not talk about it right now, where you, mm -hmm. you have an opinion, just look at it on a scale with somewhat of a chart. Comedy will always fucking take care of comedy. Now, as individual comedians, we're on our fucking own. Right. Whether it's whether it's thinking the PC culture is ruining comedy, whether it's thinking, oh, this pandemic is going to comedy will, will always take care of comedy and make it get better, even through some high waters. It will always. That's a fact. Now we decide whether we're going to jump on and take it with it or fight it and go the other direction. So that's yeah. how I feel. God, that's beautiful. Yeah, I just want to you put that so succinctly. Um, and then I think this is probably my last point, but I would love to hear anything else that you would have to say on it too. But, uh, to trust your instincts, I was speaking to a, a younger comic earlier today named Chris, who, uh, went to UCSB. He did those laughology shows. Remember when we would drive up there sometimes and, you know, do it at the college in Santa Barbara. Oh um, yeah. Those were the best. Those audiences were the best. They were unbelievable. And he asked me a similar, I, I tried, I, I didn't say it as concise as what you just said, but he asked me how the pandemic was affecting me as a comedian. And, you know, I, to say trust your instincts makes so, it's such a great way of putting it where I've been writing a lot too, but I've kind of stopped comparing myself or overthinking where, you know, I'm, and by the way, this does, you, you said it perfectly, you still have to put on a good show. You still need to be, uh, you know, wh whatever the hell you're doing, you need to be prepared and do it great. But for the first time, I'm not seeing, you know, I'm not seeing people get things right now. or I'm not seeing other comedians, you know, get like the special that I want to do, you know, the allotted slots for that or get, you know, a Montreal showcase that I want to do. So whenever I see that, I'll think about what they're doing. And I'm like, oh, do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? And since this pandemic, nobody's been getting anything because there's nothing to have so right. i'm finally in my own head and this is 15 years after doing stand-up so there is a foundation to build off here but it's almost been like a cool reset now by the way watch me get on stage and i'm doing like weird art where like i'm like painting my face and screaming <laughs> and the worst comedy in the no i have good instincts but um if my instincts are what i think they are i'm finally going to be able to do things that you know, I just think this is funny because that's all I have to trust right now. You know, like yeah. I, have, I have no one else to trust on it. So I'm excited to see things just purely from your point of view, from my point of view, from, you know, other comics who are just, you know, you're, you're just with your thoughts. And then when you have an audience, you can work on timing. You can sw take something out. You know, you can tighten it up easier with an audience, I guess. But as far as premises go and bits and, you know, like your the direction in which your comedy is going, I do hope and I do feel like this actually could be a very positive uh, thing. Yeah. And in life in general, look, it mm -hmm. doesn't get in the way of uh, the, the hardship. I, I mean, I'll preface course, that every okay. time because yeah. otherwise you look like you're not aware. It's a struggle for a lot of people on a daily Horrible. basis. But, you know, uh, on the other side of it, just not only in comedy, but whatever you do, you know, we'll get past it. And and that because that's the I mean, this is just so cliche, but like, yeah, if something good doesn't come out of it. Well, that's up to us. Yes. Well put. Todd, that's Some great. people say, "Oh, good, will come out of it." Well, that's individual. That's how you. That's how you live your life. <laughs> right, right, right. Good doesn't just fall from the sky and come out of it. 
the, the, if you're missing that, that's the point to go, wait, what good could come out of this? And go appreciation, perspective, um, empathy, because of, oh my God, I never was scared to do this or I never thought the world could end. I've had nights laying in bed going, I took that the world's here for granted. Now yeah. I lay in bed sometimes and you know, it's scary, but scary can be good. It's okay to be scared. Why am I scared? Because I realized I really like it here. Mm -hmm. I like it here and I don't want to leave. That's what you're scared of because it, with all the shirt, so you get scared and that's a good thing to realize. And then to take out of it, to go, wow, I'm going to go back and, and, and try to not just fall back into my old habits. I always say this all the time. I will fall back into some old habits. I just don't want to fall back into all of them. I yes. wanted to become a little more awoken and, and, and it's, you know, and, and, um, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. If, if you miss something, it's because it was special, you know, and if you don't miss something, then you don't have to fucking do it anymore. You know, like you can yeah. clean up, uh, various parts of, of your life. Todd, this was great. Do you have a, do you, do you have any parting, parting thoughts? You also don't have to, we can, we can, no, uh, I feel, I feel great. I feel, feel heard. Okay. Well, if, do you want to promote your part uh, that you just put in your hair or would you, well, are, you are you not announcing that, picture that up. That's razored in, you know? Yeah, of course. Of course. With a, with a, so with a samurai sword, they, they cut that part. <laughs> it was very precise. Todd, thank you so much. You're the best. This was a lot of fun. Hey, can I ask you one question? Uh, six foot one, but I'm actually, oh, wait, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> this comedian, Chris, who I think I know you're talking about, what if he listens to the podcast and he goes, couldn't you say my last name? Yes. Yes, I could. And I'm going to pull it up right now. Hold on. Leave it. This, I'm, I'm leaving this in because it's worth the wait. It's Chris okay. Niambra, Niambra. Chris oh, Niambra. Chris Niambra. You, you know Chris Niambra, right? Give He's the, the guy a shout out. You're all talk. Oh, oh, the comics. We're struggling. <laughs> this guy, just to get a nice mention, uh, I think you should say his whole name again. Chris Niambra, a, a terrific comedian, living in Seattle now, by the way. Seattle, so, Chrissy! Uh, the Emerald City, huh? That guy, that guy's going to put a new shine on that emerald, and I've been saying it for months. <laughs> when they introduce him in Cincinnati, word out on the street is they go, Cincinnati Zone! And then they introduce him. <laughs> and it doesn't even matter. It's They love him so much, no matter where he's from. Chris Niambra, he, uh, he's their own. They, they Everyone wants go. to claim I feel him. better. Wrapping it up like that.